James 2, verses 1 to 13. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, Have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, Stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but if you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We welcome you today to Weston Park Baptist Church on this family weekend. Uh, we trust that amidst all of the challenges, you'll have a chance to uh, uh, get out maybe a bit and enjoy the weekend. Uh, we continue on in our series in uh, the book of James, Wisdom for Everyday Living. We remember that James, the brother of Jesus, is writing uh, this letter to the Jerusalem church, primarily a Jewish community. And it has come down to us in the uh, history of wisdom literature. So uh, we look at chapter one. And today we look at chapter two, and it begins with the first specific uh, issue that James wants to deal with. And it sounds very much like a, an issue that we are dealing with today. And that has to do with discrimination or showing favoritism or showing partiality. And so that's what we're going to be looking at in this first half of uh, chapter 2. And so we begin with the first verse, uh, which reads this way. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? Do you, with your acts of favoritism or showing partiality, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. That's kind of an unusual phrase, but what James is popping right into is, are you, are you taking your faith in a, in a serious way or not? Last week we looked at this issue of, of religion is serious and not casual. And so James pops right in with this statement, my brothers and sisters, do you when you show partiality or when you discriminate, are you actually believing in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? That's a, 
an unusual phrase, and it's really talking about the glory of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. So he's saying, are you taking your faith seriously that, hey, we have a risen Christ who lives in our lives and is guiding us in all we do? Do you take this premise and this reality that the Spirit is within you, are you taking it seriously? Because when you show partiality, you're suggesting that you don't because you're not valuing each person who comes to know Christ, each person out there. We are to live in a compassionate way. When you discriminate, you are saying some people count and some people don't count. And so James puts it right out there, verse one. And the favoritism, partiality word is used twice in our text, and it's an unusual word again. James has a, a lot of these unusual words. And so it's about discrimination. And of course, discrimination is very real in our world. Over the last 12 months, we've seen you know, terrible violence, we've seen people discriminated, the whole reality of Black Lives Matter uh, speaks to us in a powerful way because we know that discrimination takes place. The example that James uses here is in a class society is that of rich and poor. He uses that as an example of showing favoritism. And so it reads on, it goes for us uh, this way. Uh, verses two and three, for if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? People in a class society, they like to show their upper class by wearing fine clothes and particularly by wearing a lot of rings, a lot of jewelry. And the first century church was essentially a poor church. You can just imagine when somebody comes into that church who is all dressed up and has all kinds of jewelry then there's there's excitement about this wow Johnny from down the streets coming in and look at he's wealthy and we want to make sure he has a good time and we feels good so he'll keep coming back meanwhile someone who is just regular we say hey nice to have you and you just put him over there James is saying when we do this we are showing favoritism we are showing partiality and it's a form of discrimination. And this is not acceptable in our church, in the body of Christ, because we believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, and we all share in his spirit. And so the example that James uses is this issue of wealth. And he stays with that. In the book of James, we'll, as we go on, we'll note that um, this wealth issue comes up a lot. And so this is the example that we have. So don't show favoritism. And the example is that of money. That's where he begins. And then verses five to eight, he carries on and, and he, he founds it or establishes it on a, in a theological verse, which is very powerful, and that's verse five. Let me read verse five. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, and when actually he uses that brothers and sisters, that's another change, it's another turn. It's a suggestion that he's got something new to say. All right, has not God chosen the poor in the world 
to be rich in faith, and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him. Foundational verse, theological. Has not God chosen the poor? Has not God chosen the every man, every woman in our world, the 99%? Has not God chosen the regular Joe, you and me? That's where God is concerned. Solidarity with the world, with humanity. So God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith and to become heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him. So there's a lot in that verse. And again, it's saying that God values each one of us. That we all experience Jesus. I love the old spiritual that goes, there is a bomb in Gilead for those with a sin-sick soul, those who know their need, there is a balm in Gilead. That's a reference to Jeremiah. There is a healing salve, and the healing salve comes to us in Christ, and it's for all of us, not just the 1%, but for all of us, for us who are part of the 99%. Jesus comes, and he establishes this relationship of love that we've been looking at. And so then, again, if we show partiality, if we are deferring to the rich, then we are, we are judging. We are saying you are more important than someone else. James says that's not acceptable in the body of Christ. So the example then is this poverty and wealth. Having said that, James makes an important statement on love which we looked again at last week, and, and he talks about it in terms of the royal law. So we see uh, this statement here, verse eight. You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor is as yourself. But note, but if you show partiality, that's the favoritism, that's the discrimination again, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. The royal law is to show love, is to show love to the Father, to God. Love God above all else, not being drawn to all kinds of idols, but to love God and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus goes beyond that and he says even to love your enemy. This is the royal law. Augustine, love God and do what you want. That's the royal law. Not all kinds of rules, royal law. That's where James keeps coming back. We saw it last week, he carries on with it here. And the example of not following the royal law is discrimination. So we're invited to hear this word. And what does it say to us? What does it say to us, this royal law in our day here in the 21st century? 2,000 years later, discrimination is alive and well, right? Last week we looked at the issue of, of the stranger, of the refugee, of the immigrant, the person that we do not respond and show care to, the person on the street, the homeless. We are not to discriminate. And so then how does this settle with us here, here in Weston, the town of Weston these years later? Well, one, it's interesting that there is a reality that happens and it's the oppressed becomes the oppressor. 
The individual who has been oppressed, when things change, they can very quickly become and act out as an oppressor. It's interesting, a curious reality in the Baptist world, the rise of the Baptists was the protest movement in England in the 1600s. And the establishment of the day would show their classed elitism by wearing long black robes and capes and particularly a hat, a top hat. And that and it was a black top hat. And the Baptists wanted amongst other groups, wanted freedom in terms of their religion. They couldn't get that in England, so they, they leave and they head off to the uh, New World to get away from the elitism of, of Europe and of England. And so they come to North America and now they start to be established. And what happens over time, it's interesting, is that the ones who come, the Baptists who are looking for freedom, and now they become established, they start wearing the black capes and the black top hats. They left England to get away from that. Now when they become in the main, they adopt the dress of their oppressors. And they start looking down and acting in racist ways to persecute others. The oppressors become the oppressed. We've seen lots of examples of that. So the call here is to consider our own lives. Is there any movement in our own lives where we, who perhaps have been impressed in some way, now become the oppressor? I've been, I was, I was born in Belfast. And the Irish knew much oppression over many years. The Irish can also become the oppressors and look for somebody that they're over. So in our own lives, where is that happening? We're not to show favoritism, not to show partiality. So, can that relate to us in any way? Beekner has another phrase where he says, what's good about the good news? What's good about the good news? And what's good about it is that each of us are accepted as equals. God who shows no partiality loves and accepts each of us. That's the good news. Big example in the New Testament is Peter when he comes to the realization that the church is not just Jewish, but the church is to embrace all peoples, the Gentile community. And you remember that Peter has uh, a call to go visit Cornelius. And Cornelius is a Gentile who becomes a believer. And Peter has to learn that everyone is accepted into the faith. And it's shown as he interacts with him and then he's talking to the believers around him about Cornelius that the Holy Spirit comes upon them all and they all start speaking in tongues, including the Gentiles, including Cornelius. And Peter says, wow, man, if this has happened, if the Spirit is upon all of us, then who are we to show favoritism or partiality or prejudice? God accepts everybody. What's good about the good news? The good news is that God accepts us and loves us, is compassionate towards us, and every person, seven and a half billion people around the planet, all welcomed by God in Christ through his spirit that we are alive and well in him. No favorites. What's good about the good news? 
And thirdly, I should suggest that we are invited to look and examine our own lives and move in tiny steps, little steps, to show more and more God's love and to draw back from any kind of discrimination in our own lives, whatever ethnicity we are, whoever we are, white, black, brown, doesn't matter, we can all discriminate and we do discriminate in different ways. Tiny steps, tiny steps here in Weston Park Baptist Church to show acceptance, to show love. Here we are, we've been here for over 100 years and now we're working on towards the new development. What's, what's it gonna be in new facilities for another generation, for generations to come? Will we continue to show love and compassion for all and welcome everybody, even when our facilities maybe look nice and are all polished and fancy? Are we still going to have a heart that accepts? That's the invitation here. So the invitation to move out in your life and my life in these little ways, tiny steps. And of course, when we think of discrimination, we, we, we have to think it in terms of uh, people and different ethnicity, black, brown, white. When I go to uh, Bolivia, a person like me, we're, we're called the Blancos. And the Blancos, people down there look at us with suspicion. And they're not drawn to us. They're suspicious of us. And there's a certain prejudice that happens our way. Up here, we often discriminate in our own little way. So I was struck by a recent article by a pastor in Nova Scotia. Let me just find where it is. It's worth reading. Sorry, I had it right here. Yes, Leonard Anderson, this pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Hammonds Plains, Nova Scotia. He's also a lecturer at Acadia Divinity College. And he writes, he is a wonderful black man, and he has this comment to us in our churches about what he suggests is a way forward. And he, he says this, and I'll have this on the screen as it comes up. But he says, I'm asking the body of Christ not just to be non-racist, but anti-racist. Say this is something we will not tolerate because we will affirm one another. I read that, I thought like, wow. It's not that we are non-racist, just non-racist, but that we are anti-racist. We'll do all of what we can to affirm and to love our brother and sister in Christ. And that is what he's suggesting as a black pastor, Nova Scotia, to the church in North America, to our Baptist churches. Not to settle simply for being non-racist, but to be anti-racist and to intentionally affirm others in Christ and their rights and who they are, their value. So James speaks to a real issue, doesn't he? An issue of discrimination, favoritism, showing partiality. Unfortunately, we all do it in our own way, some level. And James is cutting right to it. Because of Christ, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, let's value each person made in his image. 
because we will live eternally together. We better get our acts together. In Jesus' name, amen.